0: Hey Matt. Greetings, Mike. Podcast? Undoubtedly. Prithee, let us do that thing. I'll, I'll huzzah! T- uh, forsooth, <laughs> I don't know. Oh God. <laughs> Welcome to Hacking the Grebson. A podcast where I mess up the intro because I try to improvise it. <clears throat> uh, I am Mike. I am here with Matt. Hello. Apparently, I've started saying <laughs> that. I don't know why I didn't say it in the other 50 episodes, but now I'm saying that. How are you, Matt? I am well, Mike. How are you? But you're not a well. I'm not a
1: well. I cannot throw a coin I... into you and wish. I mean, you can, but I wouldn't appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Uh, all right.
0: Well, now that we've set the tone properly, um, I hear, pray tell, that you wish to talk about technical interviews, which is something that we actually have an episode about approximately 40 some odd thousand years ago. Uh, but there's some new insights you have and maybe even a new interview question that we came upon recently that at least I thought would be a good interview for the canon of interview questions.
1: Yeah, I've been doing a lot of uh, interviews lately. I've been conducting a lot of interviews, I guess. not. I'm not going to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm not interviewing. I'm, in, I'm the interviewer, um, just to mm-hmm. be clear. Uh, oh, yes. And so it's, you know, <laughs> top of mind right now. And I was thinking about the different types of technical interviews that one might go through. Um, and uh, a, a, as well as just... I th- I don't know how much we touched on it before because I have a terrible memory. Um, but things like uh, how how certain aspects of interviews are perceived by both sides of the, of the t- interview table, right? Like, you know, both sides are trying to sell the other on something. You know, the interviewer mm-hmm. is selling on the company and the interviewee is selling themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's just sort of like general... Uh, you know, if you have a panel interview versus individuals and how many rounds of interviews do you have, all those things uh, add up. And they I think they weigh differently uh, to different people. In particular, I think the more interview rounds you have, the harder it is on the interview I
0: I mean, I would assume so. I have never done, I think, more than like two rounds, like maybe a screening and then like an actual interview. But yeah, I've heard at, you know the big tech companies that you could go through four or five rounds and that sounds overwhelming and uh off-putting is it useful do you think as someone who does this a lot
1: um yeah i think it it is useful to the company is it useful to the person that that is interviewing somewhat um Hmm. you know i mean let's just start there right different you know what kinds of rounds of interviews might yeah. someone have? Usually the first interview you're going to have with any company is not a technical one. It's going to mm-hmm. be with like HR and like, do you exist? <laughs> <laughs> are you real? Is your resume real? Did you actually, yeah. d- you know, are you lying? Um, can I but,
0: communicate with you?
1: Uh, yeah. For can,
0: more than a few seconds. W-
1: w- you know, are you, uh, is it? Even in the realm of possibility that you're a good fit for this company are, are you know are we gonna have some like philosophical headbutting right off the bat and like this isn't gonna work is your salary range in the right region you know yeah like you're gonna talk to h r or the recruiting team first um do,
0: do, do you have like uh any anecdotes of someone who just like amazingly couldn't make the first cut that you heard about and it was wild uh
1: no this is Probably, and this is the biggest company I've worked for that's a tech company. And mm-hmm. uh, prior to this, I was basically the person doing all of those things when mm-hmm. I would interview. I I was multiple rounds. Um. <laughs> Matt, multiple yeah. rounds. Uh, you know, but like HR would, would do the the basic part of like, okay, does this person exist uh, kind yeah. of thing? And is their salary? Uh, I've never heard of anyone like completely failing there. Um, I can see why someone might. Mm-hmm. Uh, at my company, there's a culture document that we send out to prospective candidates before they, uh-huh. uh, before we bring them in for the rest of it. Um, mm-hmm. And that was really interesting to me because that I I really resonated with the culture document. I was like, oh, I love this. This is the kind of place I would like to work. But I could see how if somebody was like, oh, I don't like this whole you have to be part of a team culture. You know, I want, mm-hmm. to, be, I want to be a rock star programmer <laughs> that is a, that's a diva, right? Like I could see, yeah. you know, if you're that kind of person and that comes across, I could see somebody flaming out right away uh, in there. But I think most people probably drop out during the technical screen.
0: Well, also, uh, I mean, you have to be, you know, a fairly sizable company. To have a culture document, like, I don't oh, think I've worked for, sure. for any company that had a culture document that they could, that existed, let alone to send to prospective uh, clients. I mean, yeah.
1: like, do the you The closest think that, you usually get's like, a mission statement.
0: <laughs> yeah, or, or you know, you Google the company and you kind of see, like, what they're about. Uh, but I'm curious, like, do you think that that is, I mean, for your company or for companies of that size, like, that's a useful, like, filtering thing or filtering device? I think
1: so I mean hmm. one of the big things I am personally looking for when I'm interviewing someone and this includes if I'm doing a technical screening or any of the other rounds I'm looking for would I be willing to work with this person mm-hmm. um and you know cultural fit is is actually pretty big um if you're if you're a jerk I, no one wants to work with you and it's just going to cause more problems um, yeah and you might be a brilliant jerk and there are places that where that kind of thing thrives. Um but then that is the culture of that company. Right? Um, and being able to see like oh this is a person that will be able to you know if if you work at a company and it's all brilliant jerks and you try to hire someone like me who's smart and not a jerk but not I wouldn't say I'm brilliant um mm-hmm. and I can be a jerk uh, <laughs> I'm I wouldn't fit in. <laughs> I, I I would wash out right away and that's expensive for the company. Um yeah. you know the Hiring someone is not cheap. You're spending a lot of time and resources to advertise the job, to have people from your company spend time talking to individual candidates to, you know, vet them, all that other stuff. And then hiring them on is itself costs money. And then mm-hmm. there's overhead involved with that. And so if somebody starts working somewhere and then immediately didn't work out, that, that's not good for anyone. Yeah. No so one so you mentioned
0: that. there's like the initial screening and then there's like possibly a technical interview. What other kind of rounds would there be?
1: Yeah. Well, so back in the pre-remote days, uh, <laughs> what, what I usually saw was you'd have like your your HR phone screen and then you would usually have like a technical phone screen, um, which mm-hmm. wasn't even like a video chat. It was usually literally on the phone. And that was often just talking about, I don't see this as much anymore. Um, I didn't encounter it once in my job search which was post-2020. post, uh, post 2020. Uh, But it used to be that I, I would call somebody... <laughs> that the phone screen would happen, and it would just be a lot of discussion of, like, talking through the resume and just making sure that the person uh, could speak intelligently to the things on their resume and from a technical perspective, and maybe you ask them, like, one or two really high-level questions. But, you know, it was... You don't don't have like a shared coding environment or any of those mm-hmm. other things. It was literally just talking to somebody, um, as, and that was even more true, you know, twenty years ago, or whatever, when I was first entering the workforce. Nowadays, I think the first technical screen that you usually would encounter would be more of a a, a virtual session like this, uh, like mm-hmm. like how we are doing this recording, um, yeah, you know, Zoom or Slack or whatever, Google Meet. Discord, I don't know, well, however Google people veggies, are interviewing something. these days. Uh, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, often you'll have, uh, you'll have somebody sharing their screen or, or a shared document or something so that um, you can ask them a more detailed question, like what I would usually have done at the text screen of somebody that's come in for an interview in person and have them go to the whiteboard, right? Mm-hmm. Here's a programming question. Write some code. And that was pseudocode, but now it's actual code that people are expected to write, uh, live while someone's watching them, which is incidentally the worst way to write code. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't like that. I don't like anything you just said.
1: (laughs) I don't like it either. Um, I, I have interviewed places and I really like this approach, um, that sent me home with a problem and Mm -hmm. it's like, do this and then come talk to me about it. That Mm -hmm. worked great. Um, that's that's probably the most useful to me. That usually wouldn't happen in your first round. Your first round is, is going to be something like, you know, write me Fibonacci sequence recursively or whatever. Um, and then be able to talk about it that's, mm-hmm. uh, for like a junior grade. Although I've interviewed senior people that couldn't do a lot of these things. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so um, it's really just make sure this person is in fact technical and can solve problems and... And that's, and you know, usually there's also a little bit of that, that feeling out for culture and whatnot at that right. time. Yeah. So that's sort of like the first round that you'll usually go through or mm-hmm. first two rounds, you got the HR screening and then the technical screening. And then depending on the company, I've seen a bunch of different things for software. Uh, typically there's like a system design for a more senior person. There's usually like a system design thing, which is, okay, we have this type of system we're going to build. How would you arrange that? Like from a really high level, like Mm. what's the design of that system look like? Um, I've seen more in-depth problem-solving rounds. And then uh, the other one that usually uh, people will encounter will be uh, a meeting with like a hiring manager. So the person that you're going to be working with most often, like the person Mm. who will be your manager, usually Mm. that person's going to interview you. And that's a completely separate type of interview Than all the technical ones, Um, but that's, that's usually one of the, so like three rounds is kind of the minimum of what I would expect to see of getting hired anywhere. HR tech tech screen interview with a manager. Um, Maybe there's ones where the manager is technical enough where they could also do that part of it and the HR part and maybe just Mm -hmm. get one. But I think generally speaking at midsize and above, you're going to see at least those kind of three levels. Um, and, and obviously that's the more senior you are, the more likely you are to have more rounds junior person. I can tell within 10 minutes of talking to somebody if, if I'm going to hire them more often than not.
0: So so are you saying that if you designed the hiring system at a company, it would just be you in 10 minutes?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, because all the rest is overhead, right? (laughs) Yeah. No, because I, I suppose I should say. 10 minutes is usually enough for me to know I'm not going to hire somebody would be more accurate. Uh, I'm like, ah, this person is not going to be a good fit, but I will help. I will work with them for the next hour anyway. And you know, maybe that'll help them in the future. But, uh, that is for junior type folks or new grads or interns, the more senior, like if I was interviewing somebody at my level, that's hard. I don't. I don't like doing those interviews, to be honest. Well,
0: h- how would how would that uh, like how would you go about that differently?
1: Um, so usually uh, that that's where you're gonna get more of those like system design, okay, uh, problem solving type questions um, because those are harder to fake an answer to um, mm-hmm. than like a programming question, especially these days. Uh, if you're remote, people are just shoving stuff into Chat GPT. Right. Uh, Which is really annoying. Um, I definitely have had people do that. And it's really Mm -hmm. obvious when you do that. So don't do that. If you're listening to this and you're (laughs) interviewing somewhere, don't do that. We know. (laughs) We can tell. Yeah. It's really obvious. You're not subtle. Um, But but the question, the follow-up question of that is, how much longer will it be so obvious? It's not the answer that's obvious. It's that they have to stop talking to you. And type things into the search engine, so that they can get an answer.
0: Oh, uh, so so you're talking about like that? That you can tell that they're doing it right now remotely. Not yes. not just that the the output has come from it. Yeah. Oh, okay. and
1: before this, it was you know sending text messages to people or chatting right. with them or. Talking to your friend who was sitting on the other side of the monitor and all those (laughs) things. Super obvious. People are not as sneaky as they think they are. Yeah. Also, I don't know what you get out of that. At most, you get hired and then immediately fired because you can't actually do the job. I don't.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, depending on the company, I mean, the hardest part may just be getting hired. And once you're in, you can kind of fake
1: your way through some of it. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, don't know. Senior folks, it's I still ask the same questions of senior level engineers mm-hmm. as I would for a junior engineer. Um, I just expect them to get the answer faster, okay. be better at answering it, and be able to discuss the trade-offs better. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I do expect that kind of level. And then I'll dive into deeper things like system design and whatnot. Uh, where I'm at now, I actually do not get to make up my own questions. I because we're a large enough company and there's enough applicants that we and there's enough people doing the interviews that we don't have the same person interviewing all of them. It's mm-hmm. you know, so there's like here is a list of questions, please ask one of these.
0: <laughs> right. The few times that I've been in a room, uh, that someone has been applying for a job, uh, it's it's been like a set of questions that even though you don't want to ask, you have to ask them all. Even if after the first two questions you're like, "Okay, there's no point in asking the rest of these," um, but you have to give them a fair shot. You know, um, yep. that can be uh, that can be kind of excruciating. Um, yeah, I, I I was curious. I remember I remember on our last episode where we talked about these. You had this one interview question that you said you used. you used to use a lot. Something about square roots. Square roots. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you still find that useful or do you have
1: like some new questions that you like to ask? If the person I, that is still my favorite question. I get the most information from somebody from that question. Um, Mm -hmm. and even if they've heard it, I think I could still understand enough. I could still ask them enough questions about it to know if they really understood the question or not. Mm -hmm. Um, and really understood the solution and why it's good or not. Um, I, I'm sure I said it on the podcast before, and I've told many people this. The best answer I ever got to that question was the wrong answer. <laughs> right. Is, except they, t- they took a long time and s- explained their thinking while they were yeah. doing it, I think, right? And yeah. I completely disagreed with their uh, way to do it, <laughs> and it didn't work, but I would have hired that person in a second. Uh, that's... Because I was like, oh, that's a really brilliant way of looking at that. It doesn't work for this particular problem, and you're over-engineering. But in an interview... In an interview, people are nervous and they screw yeah. up more. I, I give a lot of grace. I view my job when I'm interviewing somebody is to is to make them comfortable enough in the interview to be able to actually be able to be themselves like at a technical level because no one is there at their best. OK, most people are not at their best. <laughs> uh, if you're a rock star, in, you're at your best at all
0: times. Yeah.
1: Well, but like, you know, I'm neurodivergent, I am introverted. Interviews are hard for me um, because I have to deal with people. Um, But also I have 15 years of improv experience, so I can fake that really well. Yeah. (laughs) So are you saying
0: like jobs that you've interviewed for in the past 15 years have been a lot easier than the first 15 years of your career or whatever, just because of that. Sure.
1: And that also is true on, on the other side of the table when I'm doing the interviews, significantly easier having done improv. Um, I I still find all these things exhausting, but um, (laughs) I know the personality I need to inhabit in order to do them and make them successful and useful. And then I leave and I'm tired.
0: Well, you know, I, I really appreciate how you put that because I mean, that's what I would expect of, of you, Matt, that you would, you would look at it at an interview as a way to um facilitate the it, it, like 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 you're trying to it, you're not trying to make it a gauntlet cuz i That's feel gauntlet. like there's plenty of places that do see the interview like a gauntlet it's like only only the strong shall survive and we're trying to weed out the weaklings uh but like you said Most people in interviews, uh, it's not a fair representation of what they can do.
1: And so it's not fair to use it that way. Yeah, I want you to succeed. I I honestly hate interviews where people do badly because they are really boring. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, if I've decided 10 minutes into an hour long interview that you're not going to get hired unless you just absolutely blow me away at some point in time which has never happened ever. Uh, well, I've never been like, I just don't see myself hiring this person and then had them do something. And I was like, Oh, I was wrong. It's never happened uh, <laughs> in 20 something years. Never happened. I would love for it to, but my pattern recognition skills are too high. Um, <laughs> but it, like, it sucks. And I feel bad for the person. And you know, sometimes you'll, you'll interview somebody and they're just delightful as a person. Mm hmm. And they can't do the problem. Yeah. That makes you feel bad. Yeah, that's it. And then sad. there's the other side of that, where they're really good at the problem, but they're terrible people. Yeah. I don't feel as bad then. I just want to leave. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so... I did want to bring up the interview question that came up recently yeah. just because I think it's a good interview question and I'm curious, like let's just get our answer for to it on yeah. the record. Um, so I was looking at a post on uh, the social somewhere and it was essentially like, okay, here's the issue. You set an alarm for 2.30 AM. Why you're doing it at 2.30 AM irrelevant, but still you're setting it for 2.30 AM. Now the problem is 2.30 AM this time the next time it's gonna happen, happens during a daylight savings time change. So technically, after 59 rolls over to 2 a.m., it skips 2 a.m. to 259 a.m. and goes to 3 a.m. So your alarm ah, falls into a void of of you know negative time and space. Um now that's a problem, of course, and there's different ways you could approach that, but Assuming you had a smart device that knew how to do something about that, what should the device do? And some of the options they gave were uh, it should go back to 1.30. It should go off a half an hour before the time change, essentially. Uh, It should go off at 3.30, so basic, or 3 a.m., just push it to the next available time period or maybe it shouldn't go off at all at, at all because you're dumb and you shouldn't have set an alarm for a negative time space uh, or something else. Uh, so I'm curious, Matt, what, what is
1: your, what would you do about this, this conundrum? Well, what I like about this question is there is not a right answer because mm-hmm. um, I can make an argument for all of those things and several other. Uh, I'm curious about possibly. your argument in
0: favor of the, 3 a.m. option because okay. because uh, yes uh, I I could see let, let me give
1: you my answer and go then for it. and then I'll and then I'll okay. tell you how I would get to the 3 a.m. one okay all uh, right because that's actually my second choice um, okay What's of your first the choice? ones that we're doing. I I I think 1:30 is probably the most logical of of the ones you listed but I think the right answer is it shouldn't go off <laughs> Um because 2:30 didn't happen if I want an alarm to go off at 2:30 and 2:30 does not occur. There should be no alarm. Um, okay. But three o'clock would be my next choice personally because okay. the way I would look at it is three o'clock is the first time after 2.30 that exists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was one fifty nine. Like it's the same use case I would view as if my phone happened to reboot during that time mm-hmm. or if I f- went through a time zone change. Right. Like, I probably still want if I have a recurring alarm, I probably want some alert of that. Um, and I don't care so much about when it is as like, oh, OK, I, I I need to I I need to have done this. Um, Did you
0: just say you didn't care when the alarm you set for a specific
1: time goes off? <laughs> I mean, like I have alarms set for like taking my medication, and I don't really need it at that exact time. It's more like, okay, it's, you know, a couple hours before I'm probably going to go to bed. Right? So, for an alarm like that, mm-hmm. yeah, just the next time is fine. Okay. Um, I, and I could make that... And the same exact argument, in my mind, would be held for at one fifty nine, Right? It's like, it's the, it's the next one that's going to happen. So, like, right on that minute, to me, is the most logical time to set off the alarm at all mm-hmm. uh if you're gonna set it off but i still think don't
0: <laughs> so uh so- sorry i didn't mean to interrupt it is that the end of your answer
1: uh no because my I-, I have a i have a d- another answer but okay it we'll goes do that off one. of the go ahead g- goes off the options that you gave which is uh, I-, I think you did say it which is uh when you're setting the alarm there should be a warning mm-hmm. like hey 230 might not happen Although that doesn't take the edge case, the, the edge cases that I mentioned for like phone rebooting and all those other things happen because you don't know that that's going to happen, but you know, time changes are, you know, that daylight savings time exists. Like my phone knows that. Right. It knows how to deal with that. Um, so I would want a warning, uh, and then, or, or an option to be set somewhere. Yes.
0: I think, yeah, uh, so I brought this up with my wife and we, you know, she, I think she was the first one to say that like it just wouldn't go off. And when mm-hmm. she said that I was like, "Well, yeah, basically. Like if it's a dumb if it's a dumb device with no smarts whatsoever, then yes, that's what would happen. It just would not go off because it would just be waiting for 2:30 to happen. 2:30 does not happen, it doesn't go off, and then it goes off the next if it's recurring." It goes off the next time 230 happens, but not the very next time that you're hoping it might go off. Now, I I would say I, I would go for the 159 or the 130, whatever, you know, sometime before the alarm rather than after the alarm. Because I think usually when people set alarms, if it's going to go off at the wrong time, you want it to go off sooner then that thing is gonna to happen to give you yourself time to prepare. Whereas if it goes off after the thing happens, now you're late to something. And so
1: I think it's See, I'd less be super user hostile. annoyed If I was like, wake me up at 2 30 and mm-hmm. at 1 30 I was woken up. I'd be like, no, I wanted to sleep <laughs> until 2 30.
0: <laughs> well, so then we get into it, it it needs more context. Like why are you setting this alarm? Yes. Is it are you setting it so that you can get up to catch your flight? Or are you getting it up because you want to get a head start on the day. And if it's to catch a flight, if it went off after two 30, I think I'd be more mad than if it went off beforehand. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. So, so I think to take that into account, I would have it go off before instead of after just in case it is timely. Um, But obviously I agree with you. The best thing, if it's a smart device is that if you set an alarm for a non-existent time, it should warn you, Hey, Daylight savings is coming up. This is not going to happen. Would you like to set this at a different time um, in order to, you know, uh, ameliorate that? Now, to bring up your edge case of what if my phone reboots in the middle of the time change or something like that, I think at that point, the only thing it can do is go off at 3 a.m. Because that's, you know, as long as it comes back on by 3 a.m. Now, what if your phone doesn't reboot until 3:01? Does it still do the alarm or does it just skip it?
1: Like, I think the alarm, if it's going to go off at all, that's Uh not at the actual time that it's set for, Right. it makes the most sense to me to go off the first time it can post that time. That is a very
0: programmer response. Yes. I can see the code in my head.
1: (laughs) It's like, like if if, timestamp is greater than or equal to alarm time, go off. (laughs) Exactly. But then there's then then there's an even bigger uh, edge case, which is like, OK, what if my phone's off for 24 hours? <laughs> what happens then? Uh, so there there's got to be some statute of limitation. So there's probably like a, you probably you probably got to use the 12 hour rule on that one. Yeah. Like, OK, once once I'm 12 hours past that's this too much? Right. right. And like at a at a minimum.
0: You, you missed your flight. Sorry, buddy. Don't don't yeah. set an alarm. Uh, Well, and see, and that's why it keeps coming back to the, if we're dealing with a smart device, which the original question was posed, it was couched in a, as a smart device, what should it do? Uh, It should really just warn you. It should warn you that a problem, there is a problem with your input. You may not get the output desired. Please take precautions for this because we can only do so much. When should it warn you of that? When you set it. What if I set a recurring alarm for 2.30 a.m.? Well then it should say hey this recurring alarm will never go off because x.
1: No, it will go off just not for this one not this one day a year. Oh, I see. It won't go off. Well, <laughs> every day at 2:30 a.m. I want my alarm to go off. <laughs> but that, this one uh, to say scream into the void and then uh <laughs> on uh, you know one day a year I'm not going to get my reminder is a weird it, I'm not going to remember that is what right. that is what that boils down to. So right. I would say if it's going to warn I want a warning that day. Like hey, we noticed you have an alarm coming up, but did you know that there's daylight savings time? Yeah. And uh and daylight savings time is stupid and doesn't need to exist anymore, but it does. So <laughs> do you really want like what time would you like us to wake you up? Or yeah. what time would you like the alarm to go off? Like give me a like have it at uh, 2:30 isn't going to exist tonight. Yeah. It's got to be it's got
0: to be before 2 a.m. or after 2.59. Pick one of those times. You know, it it should just be grayed out like in the in the time selection box. Those number that those combinations should not be valid input, essentially.
1: I think a better answer would be that during daylight savings time, how we should actually treat clocks instead of them jumping an hour is just for that hour. It should time should be double. It should go twice as fast. So um, a minute is 30 seconds.
0: Oh, I mean, I think that opens up that, that, that opens up a, a can of something. I'm not sure if it's worms, yeah. but it opens up something.
1: <laughs> so then it would go off at
0: uh,
1: basically 215.
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, like, I mean, you know, th- these kinds of questions, you know, as I mentioned in the very beginning of it is is should not be asked in a vacuum. I mean, there's obviously a technical, logical Solution that one could put in for this but really you have to be like why are we setting recurring alarms for two thirty a.m and this is more of a, a personal social issue not a technical issue like like is is this <laughs> should we worry about this as much as you know something that happens at 9 a.m or noon or something yeah. i don't know
1: i i have some friends who um absolutely despise these kind of questions as interviews as interview questions i think they can tell you quite a bit about the person Mm -hmm. that's being interviewed um because the point of this isn't to get the right answer the point of this question is the discussion about it right it's what questions are you as the you know if i'm interviewing a software developer and i ask this question i don't want how do you write the code to do this thing i want I told you to write an alarm clock and you are aware of this use case. What are you going to do? I want you to ask me questions. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to say, this needs more context. It's not, there's no right answer to this. Yeah. You know, here's the different, re- here's the different rationale for the different time. I want you to be able to discuss any time I say, it should be this, it should be 159. It should be three o'clock. It should be 130. It should be 330. It shouldn't go off. It's, you know, I want you to be able to justify any of those, even mm-hmm. if you don't agree with them, I want you to be able to explain why it might make sense, because that tells me a lot about you. And then tell me which one you would go with, because then I'm then you're discussing trade offs, um, and trade offs are a huge part of software development. Yeah. Um, am I going to take up more space or am I going to run faster?
0: Yeah. Well, and also like, you know, if you're designing a phone and its alarm function versus a ten dollar alarm clock that has, you know, like uh, the the logic baked into the circuit board that you can't change later, uh, you may have a different answer um, or, or you might go about it differently, you know, depending on the use case.
1: Because, I mean, I think 330 is what would happen for those generally, because I think most alarm clocks that can handle daylight savings time... Um, now I don't know what they would do, but I'm thinking <laughs> they would just be like, a t- it would just be like, okay, I'm setting, you know, seconds until seconds until alarm. Right. And seconds until is 24 hours basically from the last time. Right. And okay, well that's 3:30, so So it's relative to the time, not relative to, or
0: it, it's not the absolute time. It's the relative to right. the last thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's, my alarm has nothing to do with daylight savings time, is is I think the way I would do it. Because same question could ha- could hold true for, um, you know, what is it, next week or whenever the time changes uh, and we fall back? Yeah, yeah. Is if I have an alarm set for, is it that we relive 2 o'clock twice? I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, or is it that we relive 1 o'clock twice? Well, whichever one of those it is. If I set it for that half hour, right. right? The one that happens twice. Does my alarm go off twice? Right. That cuz that's worse. Uh yeah, I mean depending on the context. Right.
0: Yeah, what worse worse is subjective, but it it, it it is less ideal because I think the the platonic ideal of an alarm that you set for a time is that it goes off once in a 24-hour period and if it doesn't yeah. go off, that's not ideal. If it goes off twice, that's not ideal. Um, but what's worse, I don't know. I mean, I, I would think an alarm not going off is worse than an alarm going off twice. I mean you I mean you set yeah. an alarm to remind yourself if it never reminds you, it has failed the foundational description of an alarm. It has not alarmed you
1: in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Or you are alarmed because it didn't alarm
0: Yes, but but or you slept through it and you actually got a good night's sleep because you didn't wake up at two thirty for whatever you're waking up for. I, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> oh, it changes
1: in November this year. That's weird.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. That. Over over our lifetime, they've they've changed the days that these things happen multiple times, and uh, it it's it's the kind of thing that like humans are very good at adapting to, and computers not as much because they just want a recurring, consistent system. And they, you know, edge cases are our our enemy. You know, we want to eliminate the edge cases.
1: Um, But humanity is full of edge cases, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. What I would really hope that the person would come up with, if I said, you are writing a alarm clock software application, Mm -hmm. how do you treat this case? I would hope they would come up with the, I would alert the user like twelve hours before, or twenty-four hours before, or what yeah. When my when the previous alarm is turned off, say, okay, by the way, the next time this is gonna happen, you're gonna have this issue. What would you like to do? Yeah. Right. Like that that's the answer I would like them to get to. Yeah. Um, but then be able to discuss all of the different possible ways that uh, that could be wrong. <laughs> or be viewed as wrong by somebody.
0: Right. So so do you think that you will put this in your uh, your quiver of interview questions in the future,
1: possibly. I I could I can see situations where I might want to discuss where where I might just want to see how someone thinks, mm-hmm. and I didn't you know maybe they aced my programming question, but I'm still not sure on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see asking a question like this.
0: I like it mainly because I've done plenty of you know, fairly basic time and date programming where I'm just trying to schedule something or I'm trying to display a date or a time. Uh, You know, I've done a lot of event content type or news content type. And, like, we actually had a custom module for a, 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 a website that was just handling the calendar and putting events on it and recurring those events, but having exceptions and, like... Google Calendar is a marvel that they that, that exists and that it largely handles all of that stuff because that stuff is still a nightmare. It's it's not that it's not solved, but like you said, with the answer to that question, there's not necessarily a right answer to every edge case. It depends. and there, But there's also just a ton of variables in the global world we live in with different times and time zones and the changing of it and leap years and... Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, so I think I think it's it's a meaty question that everybody deals with. Everybody has to deal with time and days and calendars and when things happen, no matter what kind of job you have. And so I think it gets to the meat of that. But I don't
1: know. I'm I'm looking on the uh, on Google Calendar since you made me think of it mm. um, to see how it treats the time that day. Uh, and at least on in November, it's unclear how they do that. But let's see. So in March 10th next year is when this will happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to set I'm am going to set a calendar event right now for 2:30 a.m. March 10th. What? Oh, what? it didn't let me. <gasps> what did it say? 1:30? No problem. 2:30? Nope. It just it just I clicked 2:30 and it made it 3:30. <sighs> well, there you go. Ah. But let's see. Hold on. I'm going to go back to March 3rd and set an alarm for 2:30 and say testing and Yes, it does repeat, and it repeats weekly on Sunday, uh, and that ends after three occurrences. Because I really don't, to, <laughs> I don't want to forget that this exists. <laughs> All right, so on the third, two thirty to three thirty a.m. The tenth, three thirty to four thirty. That's how they do it. Wow. And then back on the seventeenth, back to two thirty and three thirty. So Google has chosen. 3.30 is the answer
0: so i mean I, i'm i'm kind of okay with that i'm not okay with the fact that they didn't apparently warn you or alert you in any shape like that that i don't agree with there there should at least be a dialogue thing that pops up and says hey on this day stuff's going down be aware um like like if you set an alarm for time x it should not change to a different time without some kind of notice, in my opinion. I, I would tend to agree. Yeah. So, but but you know, well, then other cool. people are like, well, if it's good enough for Google, it's good enough for everyone. <laughs> I don't know. That's interesting though. I'm just glad you these, did that.
1: I, I just know I'm gonna regret just, setting. These just
0: alarms. just delete it now. Just delete it now. Don't leave it. Come on.
1: <laughs> well, I, I I deleted the March one, but now I'm looking at November um, to see if it will. I made. I made alarms all around that time and they just they just let me. So, cuz the time exists. Right. Uh so I don't know if one of them's going to go off twice. I'm genuinely curious what's <laughs> going to happen with that.
0: <laughs> well, in a month's time we'll know and you can uh
1: <laughs> Oh no, cuz I'm deleting all these okay, right now. Good, yeah. I'm not waking up at 2:30 in the morning. I'm not I don't hate myself that much. Well, there you go. <laughs>
0: uh so <laughs>
1: I don't know that I hate most people that much. <laughs> uh,
0: so, is there anything else about uh, tech interviews? I, I mean, I feel like I feel like that's a good question, but I I feel like it also kind of uh, maybe overstepped. You know what you were talking about. We kind of went off on a tangent. Um,
1: no, I mean, this is kind of what prompted us to start thinking about interview questions here again. Anyway, yeah. Um, I think really the only thing I would say is. If you're the person doing the leading the interview, make the other person comfortable. And if you're the person on the other end, try to relax.
0: <laughs> it's only you know your livelihood on the line. No, no bigs. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know,
1: if capitalism didn't exist, this would be a lot easier.
0: Yes, and there is the sub motto of our uh, podcast. I need to update the website. <laughs> That's why we give this away for free though come on you know we don't make that's the sub that's the sub motto of my life yes matt uh oh i forgot what it was earlier matt two worlds was or- It
1: for capitalism
0: yeah uh, um you know i i feel like if we haven't done an episode about tech and programming and capitalism and their relationship <laughs> i'm surprised we haven't but i think that's got to be a future episode just saying I, th- I think we could come up with something to talk about there. I think we could. I think there's enough meat. There. I don't know what, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I think, uh, thank you for that, uh, for that insight on interviews, because I, I, I know you have a lot more experience with it, um, and thanks for humoring that uh, interview question. Maybe, it'll, m- maybe someone in uh, your interview room will be asked it someday in the future. Who knows? And if they do, I'd love to hear how it went. I'll let you know. All right. But for now, uh, that concludes this episode of Hacking the Grepson. Thank you for joining us. If you want to listen to more uh uh episodes, uh you can get them at hackingthegrepson.com. We try to put out an episode every other week on Wednesday, and so look forward to those in the future. And until then, we now return you to your regularly scheduled lives already in progress.